the Banowitz Podcast. Welcome back to the Banowitz Marketing Podcast. I'm glad you're here. My name is Sarah Banowitz, and today I have Solomon Grothaus with me as a guest. Hi. How are you, Solomon? I'm doing so good. I just I want to tell everyone that this is our second take. This is our second take. <laughs> it's no, but I feel good about it because first take I felt like I sounded like an absolute like clown. I'm like, yeah, we just have to remember everything that we were talking every about. Every single word, but make it, but make it. Eloquent. Eloquent, yes. <laughs> I, I like I said, but, but, <laughs> eloquent. I absolutely struggled to say that. But anyway, anyway, thank you for okay, having me. So our topic today yes. is on the cost of entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And we're going to hit a little bit about being a comeback kid. We'll get to it if we get to it, because yes. I'm a talker. <laughs> <laughs> but tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, I'm Solomon. I'm 19. <laughs> I currently work for Vector Marketing, selling Cutco Cutlery as a contractor, which is entrepreneurship. I mostly work by reaching out to people and doing demos for them. And what's cool is I'm when you do the demos, like you get paid for the appointment if you don't sell anything. But at this point, like, I don't know, I usually sell something. And yeah, I have always been someone who craved the non-traditional. I grew up homeschooled, which I absolutely thrived in. When I went to high school, I was always doing activities and could care less about the classroom. In fact, I remember every single quarter after the first day, I'd come back to the counselor and change every class. I'm like, I didn't like it, you know? And I remember when I went to Linmar, because we moved my senior year and I went to Linmar, and they're like, you have to actually take a trig class to graduate. I was like, oh, no, I don't. They're like, no, you have to take it. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm never going to use that. I don't need to take it. And they're like, no, 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 you have to take it. I was like, no, I don't. And it was like literally for five minutes. I had, I was trying to debate myself out of this required math class. At, what ended up happening? I took it. No. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was. I think you know. I think it was chemistry. Was what it was. And I was. And by the way, chemistry. They want you to think it's a science class. They're lying. It's a math class. They are liar, liar, liar. But anyway, back to what we're here to talk about. Yes, yeah, so I'm an entrepreneur. I haven't done any kind of you know secondary education. I just got back from a stint in Chicago where I tried to expand my business and I didn't fail, but I took learned. a different approach. Learned, yeah. So you go to Chicago for like maybe like five or six months, and okay. I went into there because there was a lot more sales opportunities to do fairs and shows, and I felt like. I didn't have a car, and I was like, well, I don't want to be biking around from spot to spot in the winter in Iowa, right? And I was like, cool, Chicago it is. And also, um, someone who I was higher up in the company suggested it. I'm also someone who is very spontaneous, very on a whim, and I really don't. I don't believe it at <laughs> all. Me, never, no. <laughs> but I was like, yeah. He literally said, you should move to Chicago. I said, yeah, okay. And then I was like, dad, I'm moving to Chicago. And my dad actually was super, super supportive in his logic, even though he's someone who's very conservative and traditional and kind of, you know, up by his bootstraps, by the book person. He said the reason he's like that is he has 15 Well, children. that's what I was going to say. I, yeah. said you, I was going to say, you can't be that way with no, having I can't. 15 kids. And, but he said, he's like, I think that the time to take those risks and try crazy things is yeah. now. He's like, when you're 19, you don't have a mortgage, you don't have a family, you don't have a spouse, you don't yep. like you. You have roots, but like you don't. You're not. They're s- roots that you can come back to. Exactly. Not roots that are keeping you stuck. Absolutely. And so he's like, I told him that at first. He was like, I'm like, what do you think? I want your opinion. You're like the smartest person I know. He's like, okay, yeah, go for it. And he's like, now is the time to try it. And if you fail, you can always come back. And that's exactly what happened. But you didn't fail. I didn't fail. It was a learning experience. We're, we're, we're working on my vocabulary yes. because, and I want to just touch on. I think that the biggest thing that causes entrepreneurs to kind of stop entrepreneuring is we'll self-talk. Totally yeah. self-talk. I've been working on self-talk and self-esteem and like sometimes like, you know, there's split brain theory where there's like a side of our brain that we don't control that's talking to us. And I don't, I don't actually subscribe to that. I think, you know, I'm spiritual. We're called to take every thought captive. And if you're not intentionally like thinking about what you're thinking about, 
it sucks. You're, you're like an animal. Like you don't control yourself. And I and I'm someone who like the least sexy thing I can think of is self control, right? Like I'm someone who is like really spontaneous. I really want to just go out and push and try new things and be crazy and you know either live in fame, die in flame. And that's like that's not who I want to be anymore because it's like that actually becomes really toxic. I'm assuming you don't want to swing all the way to the no, other no, side either, balance. though. Yeah. And I think that if you're going into entrepreneurship, odds are you are not a balanced person. You don't know how many times I have driven away from this office and thought, only crazy people start businesses. You have to be I, bananas. I'm you have like, to be. You have to be. Yeah. Why would you torture yourself this way? It's like it's like entertainment because I do a lot of like theater and stuff. Like, <laughs> nobody goes into theater because they're like humble and healthy people. No one starts a business no. because they're they they're they like, are glutton for punishment. They're a glutton for punishment, a glutton for glory and significance. I think people who do this really want significance. Once you kind of shift your need for significance into a need for growth, that's when you kind of strike gold, because like ultimately. Everyone only thinks about themselves. You will never be as significant to other people as you are to yourself. And so it's going to be this empty, empty crevice of just trying to fill it up with people looking at you. Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. And like, I mean, literally look at me. That's how I am. But it's like, if I can shift that to being like, actually, I want to grow myself and change myself. And you can still be lo looking inward, but instead of needing everyone to look at you, you just need to be impactful and give back to everyone else. And that's actually a way more sustainable way of having quote unquote significance is by simply chasing after growth. Cause that's, cause then significance is the byproduct instead of the product being something that's so trivial and doesn't ultimately matter. Like we think that being the most important person in the world matters, but like, there's always someone more important. There's always a marketing company bigger, someone selling more knives. Do you know what I mean? Like no matter what it is. Someone having a bigger impact on the world. Exactly. It's like, it, it's, it's such an empty, empty, empty race. And I think that with entrepreneurship, if you're going into it for money or glory or significance or to be your own boss, like you're going to, it's not the right race. You have to go into entrepreneurship for the sake of growth. And I am certainly not the poster child for that because I feel like I, I think of people, even in Vector and other entrepreneurs who are so good at that and they always are growing. Like my former boss, Alan, he actually lives out in California now and he's he is someone who I've seen grow so much. He's the one that got me to go to Tony Robbins. I went to Tony Robbins conference. He got me to start reading books that weren't like novels, you know, because I am a creative. I want to read novels. But and like he got me into Gary Vee and like just there like we thankfully live in a time where information is so accessible. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And like we can literally know anything at any given moment. And so what I've learned is that everything I thought I knew about myself, like I need to stay humble. I need to play it safe. You know, those are those can easily evolve and be manipulated into being something that's actually really ugly. Of like, I need to lessen myself. I need to be mean to myself, or else I'm going to be narcissistic and awful. And I think that ultimately, there actually is nothing more narcissistic than self hate. Like, okay, imagine caring about yourself so much that you will, you create these elaborate insults, these novellas of hatred towards just yourself like okay you're obsessed get over it you know i think that we view kind of insulting yourself as a form of humility but it's really like the ugliest form of pride you know like it's not good <laughs> i am learning so much from you just right now this is amazing okay so here's what's amazing too about growth because mm -hmm. here's the thing Gary Vee was all about hustle. Yeah. It was all hustle, hustle, hustle. And then he <laughs> saw the kickback from right. that, the actual outcome. Like, first people were like, that doesn't make sense. But then he saw what actually was happening with people, the self-talk that was coming out of it. And so he changed. 
So now yeah. in the last year or so, he's even said this. He goes, I stopped talking about hustle on purpose. I remember that. And now I talk about happiness. And it's all yes. about happiness, happiness, yes. happiness. Happiness is the end game. Right. And I'm like, but it can't be because... I'm not happy a lot of the times, you yeah, know what I'm saying? Totally. And even when I tr- and when I try to search after happiness, I get even less happy. Like I love Gary Vee. I like everything he says. He's so spot on. But Gary Vee, you were wrong about the hustle thing. It mm-hmm. got you swung too far with the hustle thing, and right. now you're swinging too far with the happiness. I think because I'm someone who's pretty spiritual, grew up you know Christian, and I still am. I think that happiness is so fleeting. You know what I mean? It's like exactly. you're, you're, you're seeking these little moments yes. when ultimately joy is yes. what you want, and joy yes. is different from happiness. It happiness is a situation joy is a mindset you know what I mean because under happiness no other emotion can exist under joy it's all-encompassing right so I have my heart is someone is I'm always constantly filled with like grief like I've had a lot of grief in my life and so I'm like I had to get to a place where I'm like okay well I can't be consumed and crying all the time but then I swung the other way I was like I need to be happy and I became this like creepy animatronic of, of happiness and I was like the funniest person in the room the bubbliest person in the room making sure everyone feels good but Mm -hmm. then it's like okay now I have to take off my clown nose for a little bit and what's left and so under joy you have the hustle you have the happiness you have the grief you have the glamour you have it all but it's like you come from a place of joy and I think the root of joy for me is gratitude like I'm someone who's really into bullet journaling it's so fun but with bullet journaling I always start every day being like okay what are five things I'm thankful for and so today I wrote Bandwitz Marketing I was really excited I get to be on a podcast for the first time my grand debut I wrote Bandwitz Marketing I wrote my sister I wrote coffee I wrote my socks I have really cute socks that I'm really loving and then I wrote you know Jesus because I was like really my spiritual journey has been like even crazier than my entrepreneur journey, but that's a different podcast. But that could be a journey podcast. That could be such a good journey podcast. Um, <laughs> and I was just like, okay, well, with gratitude, even though today things will go my way and not my way, and even today they have, right? I'm still like, I have so much, you know what I mean? And even some people talk to me, you know, because of my mental health and everything, they're like, wow, like you, it's really hard for you. And, I, and I'm like, well, People are dying. I don't want to minimize anything because I think that's the other the other trap you fall into. Is you're like, well, I'm not obsessed with my own pain, but then it's like, well, I guess I must minimize my pain, and that's why I say yeah. entrepreneurs were people of extremes. And so, yeah. <laughs> um, that is what I do. I'd either be wallowing in my pain in in Chicago when I knew I had to come home. It was like I had a week where I was like not taking care of myself. I was like abusing substances. I was like totally like, well, if it's my life is wrecked, let me really just shoot a second bullet in the head. Then I'm like, well, that's not it either. No, that's not like, obviously that's silly gilly. So then I was like, okay, now I have to focus on what's next. I have said the word fail probably like 50 times since I walked in today yeah. and it's wrong every time because it really is a lesson. And it's like, when you fail, you just see what's your, what's your current capacity. And that kind of ties into what it means to be a comeback kid, because like, this is not my first time with Invector where I kind of crashed. Right. And what, for me, like when you're, when you kind of, when you fail, it's like, you have to, you have to kind of step back and you have to assess where you're at and then you have to set a bigger goal. You can't ever fail and then go for the exact same thing. You have to be hungry for more mm-hmm. because you'll be so uninspired by that same goal that you just failed at that you're going to get into this cycle of like reaching for. For me, for example, I'll just give you like a real life example. I remember my goal was when I first started to sell 10K in 10 days. I didn't hit that. I hit 7,500, which, you know, I did it on a bike. So it wasn't like the saddest thing ever, but I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't hit my sales goal. And so then it came time for this um, really big push where like we have these sales competitions and I was like, okay, I'm going to hit 10K. I'm going to hit 10K. I'm going to hit 10K. And then I was like, 
I'm so stressed and bored and uninspired by that. And my manager, who's so smart, is like, well, could you do more? I mean, this is a longer push. Couldn't you do more? And I was like, okay, yeah, I'll do 12.5. And he's like, okay, could you do more? And so then my goal was to sell 15,000 in 17 days. And because I had that bigger goal and I had such a hunger that was not even a hunger of desperation, but a hunger for abundance, I ended up selling 25K in that 17 days. And I think that it's like when you want to come back, you can't come back to get back to where you were. You have to come back wanting to be better. Mm -hmm. I was just watching some Joan Crawford movies. I'm such a weirdo. And she was someone who was really hungry for success in her time. And I remember just like when she finally won her Oscar, it wasn't when she was turning out the same thing. She always turned out. She changed studios and embraced an entirely different role. And then she won. And I think that we could learn from that because I think we're so addicted to our whatever. Like for you, like this is your third business. Like this has to work. And it is. But you were like, but like, is that the highest goal is to have your third business work? Like what's your highest goal? And you don't have to answer that like right now in the middle of nowhere. But uh, it's like a lot of pressure. But like, I think that I think what I love about you is that I don't know what your personal biggest goal ever is. But what you really do well at is like the people you bring on. And I think we can transition to talking about all the people I love, like June and Jen and Ian and everyone. And it's like, if I don't know, like if anyone's watching or listening, like then you just know that there's a certain kind of person that works at Vanuits Marketing. And like when you see them, it makes sense because they're all so different, right? Like I think of even the three people in this room and it's like, we're all like, ooh, different people. <laughs> but like we all are united because you're really good at curating certain kinds of personalities that complement, right? Like artist, 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 we're all artists. But then, like, in the other room, we have someone who's a worker, entrepreneur. You know, Ian, although he's an amazing musician, and everyone should check out Gold Revere on Spotify. Um, <laughs> Definitely. Ian totally knows how to market himself and how to market other people. And, like, he is constantly creating these viral moments on social media. And, like, I can't do that. I'm too busy talking about Joan Crawford, you know? And I think of, like, June Schmidt, right? And she's someone who's so elegant and so classy and a little bougie. And so she, when you talk to her, you're like, oh, she knows everything. And she's cooler than me, so I should listen. You know what I mean? And so, and then you have people who are so crazy, quirky, weird. And it's all of these, this big mishmash of kind of pieces that don't work together, but then it makes this beautiful pattern of bandwidth marketing that works really, really well. And that's what I, that's why I get geeked about coming here all the time. Whenever I'm here, I'm like, oh, I get to go see these people. You are so sweet. I love that. And it's true. Mm -hmm. I mean, I tried to pull people together that were strong in my weaknesses. Mm -hmm. You really find these diamonds of people you think wouldn't work. Like I worked for you a little bit, just, you know, on a commercial. And then I worked for you, like finding people and finding clients. And, you know, most marketing agencies, I go up to them like, yeah, I have no college. I'm 19. When I want to work with you, like, or like, you know, even Ian, even though Ian is one of the most insanely talented people I know, like he doesn't have like the paper experience resume that like is super hot for growing business. But like you look deeper and you are such a quick snap judge on people and you see the best in people in a very realistic way. Do you remember? And I was so upset about this, the how I got connected to that group. I still am upset about this. I'm in not for, uh, for, like, for, for no, for uh, the sake of you guys. Yeah. So I get connected to these groups of kids mm -hmm. because because of the Shrek musical. Oh God. And don't you remember, like I'm sitting there at the yeah. Shrek musical at Linmar and I'm thinking, like Linmar is full of business leaders. Totally. The district, like yeah. the parents there are, it's full of business leaders. Right. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I knew you and you were Shrek. So I'm like, okay, I can get these kids first. I'm watching me and I'm wa watching Akash. I'm watching you oh, and I'm Akash. like, 
I, like I couldn't wait until the musical was like I loved it. I wanted to go back, but then also I <laughs> wanted to pull your ear aside like right away and be like Solomon. I need you to pull these kids together, yeah. and I need like we need a team. Like I need to do a commercial and multiple commercials. Like we need to do this. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to get you to you right away before all the other business leaders did. That's amazing. And, and I, then I talked to you. We did that. We actually did that. And right. I talked to you, and I was like, so how many other people reached out to you to do this? And you're like nobody. And I'm no. like, are you kidding me? That's what sets you ahead is because you are looking for the different and the fresh, whereas other business leaders are like, here's what has worked, you know, 50 years ago, 30 years ago, even two years ago. But you're like, there's something new. There's something better. And you have that that hunger for growth, not just for money, X, whatever. You're hungry for growth. And there is no one growing faster than someone who's like 18, 19. You know, they're nothing but growth for the next two years. And I think that you wanted to harness that. And I think about the people that you work with, like on your wall, like there's so many young people, so many older people, so many in between it's people. Yeah. It is a good mix of people because there's, I think that you don't want your, you don't want your company or your team to be the same people. And I look at other groups of people who are either entrepreneurs or business owners. I'm like, wow, how boring, you know, like everyone, it looks the same, it talks the same, acts the same, has the same values, same goals, same whatever. And it's like, even if the company does well, like, well, how fun can it be? You know, like here, everyone has fulfillment and joy and growth and meaning in what they do, right? You have amazing people who are good at tech, good at photography, good at marketing, good at numbers. And all of you get to draw a little bit of meaning and growth from it. I remember just even hearing a conversation earlier today, Annie was like, okay, well, this part of this job is not giving you, you know, contentment or joy or whatever. And you're feeling like you're less because of it. Why are we still doing it? Most people, that would not even be a question. Do you know what I mean? Most people, it's like, well, bottom line, we need it. I think that that attitude of, I want to grow and I want to create, and I remember like even approaching me and you were like, I can only pay you this much. And it was like way more than I'd ever made at like any other hourly <laughs> job before. I'm like, I'm unskilled labor at this point. Actually, part of what has been successful at Bandwidth Marketing is that I come up with these ideas and then I work to find a way to implement them. I've, I've been to like four different schools in my life, right? In, in Linmar, especially like just to kind of brag on my, well, like, you know, former high school, <laughs> everyone there like wants it. Like that's a school of people who are like hungry for yeah. it. Like I remember even just the audition process was stupid competitive for a high school musical. Oh, I believe it because the production value of that crazy. Shrek musical was crazy. It was really amazing. But I'm sitting there and I'm like, we, I got to get these kids together to right. create something for the marketing company. I just have to. So mm -hmm. I wait until I think the, I don't know if I waited. I, I know I wanted to text you right away. You did. You waited like, I think a few days. Was it a few days? Maybe even almost a week. It was less than a week. I held myself back. I think I waited until, because I think I went on Friday night and I waited until the musical was over because yes. I didn't want to stress you out. Yes. I didn't want to like distract you. Uh -huh. So I wait until you guys are done and then I send you a message and I'm just hoping that I'm the first one and that you choose me. If there were more, I was assuming there was more. I was just dead set that that <laughs> Linmar district is full of business leaders. And I was dead set on the fact that they were going to be calling you or calling Linmar or whatever. No, and so no, no. I get in touch with you and you're like, oh, yeah, let's do it. So then we go to Olive Garden. So fun. Yeah. And he went to the bathroom yeah. <laughs> and he comes back and it was the through the years commercial for Warehouse Auto. I look at that and I am, I'm an artist. So yeah, I, totally. artists critique their work very badly. Into like the they're hard on themselves, right? When it comes to like the artists who want to be entrepreneurs, you have to be able to separate the two sides of yourself a little bit. You can't be a perfectionist like an artist. And I think that when you look at things like the through the years commercial, the idea was to do a commercial where you take the 
the warehouse auto jingle right and we go through the years right and we implemented that we did and we implemented on a low budget totally <laughs> well our costumes are still so funny to me but I'd say low budget high production value because the editing and everything turned out really good but what I liked about that was even though I had this really concrete idea I had to like give it away. It was really Ian and Annalise ran with that. Totally. And they were the ones pretty much directing it. They put it together, yeah. But it was all of you guys working together as a team. And that's the thing, you know, like you had said, like seeing the value in people and what they're capable in, of and, and everything. I can see what you guys are capable of. And once the world can see it, I can't afford you anymore. It's right? an amazing leadership quality is to see. We hear the word potential all the time. Potential is just, you know, untapped energy. But I think that not only you see potential, but like you see what people want. You set us up in this position where we have guidance and we have control, you know? And I think that oftentimes people are expected to either get one or the other. I mean, they're going to micromanage you or I'm going to leave you to the buzzards, you know? And mm -hmm. I think that you do a good job of being like, I'm going to guide you, but I'm going to give you a sense of responsibility and control. That's actually, I think, like the highest elevation form of leadership in the sense that you're empowering people to be without you and offering yourself completely. And I think that a concern I've heard businesses say is we don't want to over train or give too many resources to our people or they'll leave. But it's like, if you give them all yeah, that, you, they'll want to stay. Well, and if you don't and they stay, then you're not accomplishing great things. Yeah. And, I, and anyone that's worked with for or around you has wanted to stay near you. And it's with the bandwidth marketing too, it's like you literally add so much value. We talked about the phrase over promise and over deliver and how scary that is. But like, I, th I think back to that, that fun, fun commercial and how I felt like that's what you did. You're like, guys, we're gonna make something awesome. And I remember being a little skeptical because I had, I was like, okay, we're all a bunch of like seniors in high school. Like, what are we possibly going to add to this? <laughs> and you gave I me did this, not know you thought that. I totally did. Um, <laughs> I lied. I, I was being like, yeah, this is a great idea. And I'm like, what are we doing? This is cuckoo. What the heck? And I was like, okay, like whatever. Like I lied. I trust Sarah. We're friends. I believe her. And so, and then when we actually did it, it totally exceeded my expectations because everyone had such a huge part. Everyone got to kind of lean into their forte. And I thought the commercial was awesome. And it was our first try. Our first, for a first draft, that was not bad. That was... That was amazing for a first track because what I would love to do for another one is have you guys actually singing like live. I want to do a music festival at Warehouse Autos where it's like everyone's just like there's live music while they shop. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh, that's such a great idea. Oh. <laughs> well, I always want to add live music to everything. When I was in Chicago, I had a second job working at Giordano's and I knew it was time to go home because that job was more fun to me than Selena Knives was at the time. And I was always like singing, 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 singing. And, it, you know, and I was like, can they just pay me to sing here? And I'm not actually a singer. I like to sing, but that's like not actually what I'm good at. And I just think that if you're good at something, but you don't like doing it, it's not going to be as good as if someone else is bad yeah. at it, but likes to do it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. and I think that the people we had on that thing were not necessarily good at commercials. Ian was not used to editing commercials. We weren't used to recording jingles for commercials. We weren't used to commercial acting, whatever, but we all liked it. And so the product turned out versus someone who maybe is video editing but like doesn't want to do it whereas Ian I know wanted to do it well and then the jingle because I had hated the older jingle for yeah. Warehouse Auto for the longest time and people love that commercial they love the jingle it would get stuck in their head when Warehouse Auto started right. so like the first 10 years of Warehouse Auto that jingle was so popular and everything but now it's so old fashioned and I knew for sure I wanted that redone yeah and you guys you weren't there no. for the jingle recording <laughs> I was not because what we did was we overlaid yeah. the audio so we right. overlaid the audio with the video from that day and we had already created the audio right and so even though you weren't in the audio your role in the video was important <laughs> Very you're the tallest one I, so. that's true 
when all else fails, Heidi's on my side. No, that was so much fun. Like I said, even though that was yeah. our first commercial, we had a great leader. You never made us feel like infantilized or feel like we were dumb. A big complaint about people, maybe like Gen Z, millennial people, is like we often feel looked down upon by people who are older and it actually has the, like, it feels very judged. I don't feel like I'm older than you. <laughs> You're not. In theory, like, here's what's funny is like, I get mistaken for older all the time in a way that's actually rude. Like, when I first started at Giordano's, someone thought I was 30. Now, 30 has never been old, but when you're 19, it's like, 30 is kind of, you know, I, yeah. to, I, I ordered a face cream after that. I was like, this is not good. But, um, and you're someone who like, yeah, you have like a very young I have a really energy. good memory. Not for like facts and figures, right. but anything emotional. Yeah. So I remember what it was like to be 17 years old. Like mm. literally like it was yesterday. Okay. I mean, I met my husband when I was 17 years old. And oh, yeah. Oh, Hi, okay. Matt. <laughs> yeah. So like to me, it's like I can put myself back yeah. as a 17 year old. And I remember not being taken seriously. Yeah. And so it's like, I don't want to treat other people that way. Okay, here are my favorite things about that commercial. Yes. That day, I was expecting you to take the lead on that, but guess what happened? What? You being late did something cool because I watched Ian and Annalise take the lead on that thing. And now. Yeah. I mean, to watch them both grow as leaders and the way that they work together, then you got there and you stepped in and you followed them. And I like. Even though you're normally a leader. Oh, totally. Yeah. And it just didn't feel like, I I don't know. Like when I was late, I never was like, oh gosh, you're going to suffer without me. You know how to curate people to be their best selves. And I think that really kind of comes back to like. The best parts of entrepreneurship are not when you're like making those big sales, but it's like when no, you're making when those you're big cre- moments. Oh my gosh, it was so much fun. It's such a memory. And then also like, I know all of us left it feeling way more confident about our abilities. And you are a mentor to my little brother, Dominic, and like yeah. my family and, our, and your family are very close. So it's, it feels just like, you know, like a family. And that's why this <laughs> podcast is so fun. Like, I don't know. It's like, I'm just chatting with Sarah, you know? Well, and I, I've loved having you on. I think you said some really great stuff, like what you said about the growth mm-hmm. being, you know, search after the growth. You can't go wrong with that. I think about in this community like I think you are showing people a different way like I think about the way you totally have redone like the long branch I had no clue that place existed before you started marketing for them when I think about like other businesses like Orange Leaf or whoever you're working for it's it's like you are turning into someone who is revitalizing this community you are literally creating more value in this city in this town and beyond and it's just like I can't Aww. I'm like I'm like giddy to think about like well what are we gonna see in like five years ten years twenty years thirty years like you just never know I, I'm not one who gets excited about businesses or anything like that like I'm such I guess I'm an artist so one of my favorite books is this tiny little book that's called Entrepreneurship for Human Flourishing. Because, I mean, nothing about asking for money, like in terms of helping human flourishing, volunteerism and stuff. Nothing against that at all. But is it so much easier to sell someone something so that you make $1,000 or ask them for $1,000? To entrepreneurship, selling is the most honest form of advertising, right? Direct selling and speaking face-to-face because there's such a subconscious visual language in advertising and marketing, which is, I'm sure you master that. It's your job to master that. But when you're just like in the room with someone, Mm -hmm. pitching to them, they can ask you whatever, they can be honest and say whatever, and you ha- and they're, you you are relying only on your product and your personality, and there's there's only it's all live. There's no manipulation. There's no whatever. It's like you just have to be upfront and honest with them. And if you're not, it comes back to bite you later. And I've seen it happen where I would forget something or not be thorough with what I was selling when I take the hit. And so I feel like a lot of people are scared of sales or going into entrepreneurship because they're like, I could never do that. And I always, like I said, we'll keep prove it. 
prove to me that you can't do it because it's so simple. It's like we're always selling something, you know. We're always trying to exchange my thing for your thing, you know. But yeah. that's that's the basic of human interaction is giving and taking, and so that's why selling is so human. And that's why I think that even though we live in such an automated world and business is getting more and more automated, you're never going to be able to automate sales and like direct selling and negotiation and rapport and stuff like that. I think that people need to learn how to sell if they're going to thrive in this upcoming changing era. Okay, so this is the point of the podcast when I usually ask if there's any marketing questions, but Ooh. I want to change it up this time. Oh, I love that. So instead, I want to ask you a sales question. Please. Instead. Oh, no pressure. Okay, so in the past year and a half, your top three things that you have learned or that have gone really well for you. If I was a salesman under you, the top three things that I need to know. Rapport is the most important thing you can have with someone. Your chemistry, your relationship, and your interactions. So I am someone who I think is naturally pretty friendly, but it, they have to be really precise. You know, I could, I, as we've just seen, I could talk for hours to anyone. You have two minutes to make a friend. And so you have to know how to make a friend in two minutes, and you have to find that thing. And I think this leads into my second point. People like people who are either like them or they want to be like. So you have to find how are me and this 50-year-old grandma alike, and I have to find it. Or what do I have as a personality that she would like to emulate? So what are your best features? What are your most relatable features? And when you're selling a product, you're usually just selling yourself, right? Because for knives, how many different knives are there in the world? For marketing, how many different marketing companies are there out there? It's like you're selling that. So I'd say build rapport quickly, figure out how you're alike and what your best qualities are. And the third one is, oh, how do I put this into words? It's about like the actual sale. But I would say overpromise and overdeliver. And I think that we talked about that a little bit. I talked about that before the podcast, but like you can comfortably tell someone how amazing you are at social media and marketing and you can show them your resume. You can show them your work and be like, this is the best. And then you deliver it and you hit it home. They're going to come back and they're going to recommend all their friends to you. And they're going to be like, yeah, this is amazing. So I would say, yeah, build rapport, connect and connect, show how you're similar, show your best features because it is ultimately selling personality. And then the third one would definitely be over promise and over deliver. Awesome. Those are great. <laughs> well, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This is so fun. Okay, so what social media channel do you use the most um, if I, people want to like connect, follow you? Yeah, stuff? Instagram, Solomon John G. I am on Facebook, Solomon Grothaus. Last name is spelled G R O O. T-H-U-I-S. <laughs> and then also Twitter, Solomon John G. This is where it gets embarrassing. I'm not super businessy on my social media. So if you're seeking me out in a more businessy way, you can just shoot me a DM. And who knows? I'm sure Sarah will help me up my social media game. Because <laughs> that's what she does. That's her whole thing. But yeah. So yeah. Thank you, everyone who is listening. And especially thank you to Sarah and Jen. You guys have made this like the funnest day back in Iowa. Yeah, Jen's yet. behind the camera right now. So thanks to Jen, too. So if you have found any value from this, please like and subscribe. And we will talk to you soon. Thank you very much. Bye.